have reached the end of the week, and I mean the very end of the week. We are taping this on a late Friday night, which we usually don't do, but uh, today is not any other Friday. We'll explain that later in the show, uh, but we're going to wrap up our top 25 countdown, which you probably already guessed, and we're going to read the rest of our fan responses uh, on the show here to conclude the week. Muhammad Ahmad back here with you on another edition of the Strictly Strikes podcast, doing things Solo, which is, uh, again, didn't expect it, but we got Andrew Gillis on vacation, and Mike Nizek has been gone for quite a while now, so a little different, but the show goes on with or without everyone on the team. Um, we're going to jump right into our top 25 countdown. Uh, I read 8 through 4 yesterday, so you probably already guessed what 1 through 3 is. Uh, number 3 is T. Higgins, number 2, Jamar Chase, and then... Number one is not Joe Burrow. I'm just kidding. Of course it is. Really not much to say there. Um, I mean, T. Higgins is the second best player on the team. Jamar Ch- I'm sorry, the second best receiver on the team. T- Jamar Chase is the best receiver on the team. And Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have both transformed this franchise. So starts with Joe, trickles to Jamar, and T is a byproduct of that because obviously, you know, there's – you know, the the whole debate, which I want to get into, but you have to acknowledge it. The debate of, you know, is, is T. Higgins the number one wide receiver on any other offense? Well, I should say like 90% of offenses in the NFL that aren't in Cincinnati. Yeah, I would definitely say that T. Higgins, excuse me, T. Higgins is the number one receiver. Um, but, you know, when you got Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd playing with Joe Burr on the same team, um, yeah, you're going to be a number two receiver. But when I say number two, I'm not saying literally number two, number two on paper. I mean, we saw we saw T. Higgins when uh, you know Jamar Chase was out with that hip injury for four games. We saw what he could do. We saw what he was capable of, and that's why I think if you really don't believe that T. Higgins is not a number one wide receiver, then I implore you to go back and watch the tape against Cleveland, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Outside of that ugly blowout loss to Cleveland, which even then. There was a touchdown in garbage time in that game that I think was one of the best catches T. Higgins has made. Not just last season, but really that was a really clean catch. And I know people were going to overlook it because it was in garbage time and the Bengals were going to lose that game. I understand that, and that definitely plays into it. But I'm just focusing on the mechanics uh, and the image of the catch itself. Um, I think that shows that T. Higgins can do that with any other offense as a number one receiver, which... You know, hopefully for Joe Burrow, speaking for Joe Burrow, hopefully he's in uh, Cincinnati beyond this season because if not, he'll probably get franchise tagged if a deal does not get done this offseason because we know Joe Burrow's going to get a deal done, but if Higgins doesn't get a deal done, he'll likely be franchise tagged and then he'll, you know, play 2024 and then we see what happens from there. But yeah, um, I think it's pretty straightforward. Maybe at the very least you could argue do you put Orlando Brown or DJ Reader above T. Higgins? I don't think so because – and this was unanimous, by the way. I should note the top three on our list is exactly what I had, what Mike had, and what Andrew had. Like we all had Burrow at one, Chase at two, Higgins at three. Uh, we slightly different on four and five with Brown and uh, Reader. I think we both had them at either four or five. We just different on who should be four, who should be five. Uh, for those who missed it, we had Reader at four, Brown at five. Because you could say Brown is the best non 
quarterback receiving player. Like the best player on offense, not named Burrow H- Chaser Higgins. Uh, and I think Reader, in general, just generally speaking, because there's no centerpiece on defense like there is on offense with the quarterback. I think Reader is just without a doubt uh, the best player on the defense. So that, that's pretty easy. Do you try to argue that DJ Reader's role is not? I don't want to say more important than T Higgins's role because. I think we can understand that, like, it's easy to get more out of T. Higgins than you do with DJ Reader because you're going to remember T. Higgins making grown man catches more than, say, you know, DJ Reader making a sack because as a defensive tackle, like, you're not going to naturally make as many compared to, like, Sam Hubbard or Trey Hendrickson, who are defensive ends. But I also think, I mean, you know, Reader has never had more than two and a half sacks in the season. He didn't even have one last year. So. You know, I mean, I'm not saying Reader's not good. Don't don't take that that way. I just I have to explain this with nuance, obviously, for those who, you know, maybe don't understand the clarity of what I'm saying. Reader is important, very important. Like that defense is not seen without him. That's why I said like he's the best defensive player and a guy who I think should be one of the first ever or one of the first few like Bengals players going into their 30s to get an extension. Like I think you got to somehow get a deal for that guy, even after you deal with Burrow and Higgins and. Logan Wilson as well, but I'm saying that with Higgins because of his role, because he's going to get more touches. He's going to have either the ball in his hands or he's going to be around the ball more than DJ Reader. That's where I give the advantage. Orlando Brown is tough because that's a guy that again is going to be really important. Like Joe Burrow cannot afford to get sacked as much as he's been anywhere near sacked in the last two seasons. But you know, Orlando Brown, you're not going to hear his name unless. He's called for a penalty or you're breaking down film and it's like, oh, well, he gave up this sack or he gave up this pressure. You don't want to hear a guy's guy's name like that a lot, Uh, which is why I think you want to give him as much love as you do as a top five player, but not to the point where you put him over Reader, whose name you want to hear, but you don't want to put him over Higgins because you'll hear his name even more. And then, I mean, yeah, Burrow Chase, there's no debate there. I mean, if you want to debate that, I, I think that's interesting because... Um, I wonder what planet you come from, but maybe you come from Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. I forget all the other planets. I, I haven't done this stuff since like what, sixth grade, fifth grade science class. I don't even know. Anyways, uh, that's why I'm a journalism major, not a, not a astronaut. So I don't even know how I got to that point, but it's Friday, right? I want to jump into the rest of our fan responses before we take a quick break. And, and I want to just read them. And they're all pretty interesting, actually. Uh, they're just as good, if not better than uh, the ones I've read. Uh, before first one I'm going to read is from Eric Walschlager. Uh, doesn't say where he's from. Maybe we'll find out when I read the response. Okay, here we go. I like to believe that I was born with my stripes. The Bengals made a decision to switch to the striped helmets in 1980, the same year I was born. Coincidence? I think not. As a kid growing up in North Dakota, I had very few options in NFL teams, Vikings, Packers, Quote, throw a dart and pick a team, end quote. (laughs) Fair enough. As a five-year-old, I took one look at the helmets and just knew this is in my blood. I know that being a Bengals fan has shaped who I am as a person. Living through the many down years was pivotal in instilling resilience, loyalty, and never-ending optimism. Now, enjoying the Burrow years is showing that never giving up pays off in the end. I currently live in Florida. My car is wrapped to look like a Bengals helmet inspired by the helmet car. They used to drive on the field in the 80s and 90s. I'm constantly asked by people who see my car if I'm from Ohio, from Ohio, and my answer is always, no, I just have good taste. Loving the podcast, who day. Uh, 
Eric, I would love to see your car one day. That is awesome. That is awesome. And we are glad you love the podcast. We love you for loving the podcast, Eric. I've said this before, and I keep saying it. You all drive this podcast for what it is. So thank you. Okay, up next, we're going to read a response from Kyle Beverly, who's in Urbana, Ohio. If I said that right, Urbana, Urbana. Forgive me if I said it wrong, Kyle. Here we go. I grew up in Florida and subsequently supported all my local teams, the Bucks and the Magic, mainly because they were on local TV each weekend. But my family was from Ohio, and I'd spend the summers in Ohio since Florida at the time didn't have an MLB team. So I was a diehard Reds fan. As a young adult, I moved to Ohio full-time. I still supported my childhood teams, but my brother-in-law was a Bengals season ticket holder. Eventually, in 2007, he asked me to start going to games with him. The first couple games, I went incognito and did not wear any NFL gear, but would cheer for the Bengals because I was excited for my brother-in-law. As I continued to go, i carry the rest of this cutoff here. I'm trying to read this. I'm sorry. As I continued to go to PBS game after game, he and I went to every game for three seasons. I became obsessed with the team and the city. Since 2007, I've never missed a game, either live or in person. I listen to Bengals content every day and cannot wait till the day I witness the team win their first Super Bowl. Just for you, Kyle, I can't wait for that day either. I cannot wait for you. Bravo, man. That's loyalty. All right, now we have Orlando, Guinarda, and Los Angeles, California. Okay. I came to this country from the Philippines in 1981 as a 12-year-old. First time I saw a football game was the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Everyone around me was rooting for the 49ers. But when I saw that little white tiger on TV, I knew that was a team I wanted to root for. Been a diehard fan ever since. Now in my 50s, it's been the best couple of years watching them. Every Sunday, I look forward to going to our Bengal barn watching them. Someday, I hope to watch them live in Cincinnati until my wife and son, with my wife and son rather, who are Bengals fans. Hootay from L.A., Bengal Bar in Los Angeles. I have to do research on this because that's interesting. I hope you get that opportunity, man. Cincinnati is a great city. I've never been to L.A., so maybe we'll trade places. All right. Douglas Pickering from Piqua. Is that in Ohio? Piqua? Oh, yeah, it is. Piqua. 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 I don't even know. Uh, Sorry if I said that wrong. I probably did, but here we go. I was born in 1961. I really don't know anything about sports until I was six years old. And my dad and uncle took me to my first Reds game at Crosley Field. That's really, really old school. I was hooked on baseball but didn't follow a pro team but loved Ohio State football. When the Bengals came into existence, I started to follow them and have been a fan since. I moved to Kansas City and being surrounded by Chiefs fans, I wear my Bengals attire every day and everywhere. (laughs) That's tough, man. That's tough. I feel that. All right. Aldi Thomas in London. Okay. Got another English fan. I first started supporting the Bengals in 2003 when I would play Madden with guys in my school boarding house. Around four of us all started to support the Bengals because of the uniform, and we liked the quarterback and wide receiver combo of Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada. I have supported them ever since. A lot of late nights watching evening games and playoff games. I've been fortunate to watch the Bengals play in Wembley once, and I've traveled over to the United States to watch a game at what was then called Paul Brown Stadium in 2018, the preseason game against the Bears. I believe the Bengals won with a late Auden Tate touchdown. It's been a roller coaster over the last 20 years, but I love it and hope to get back to the U.S. to watch the Bengals again. I hope you do too. All right, we got Jake Seymour as we keep going through this. Jake Seymour from Omaha, Nebraska. I grew up in Omaha, which is Cornhusker country, because we only have college football. With no professional teams around you. You get a selection of 32 teams spanning across the country. That being said, the Chiefs, Rams, and a few NFC North teams rule the state. I've never really fell in love with a team until one game in October of 2000. 
This is when I found the Bengals and my stripes. There was a guy wearing a jersey with the number 28, which was Corey Dillon, who ran over 200 yards against the past Super Bowl champs, the Denver Broncos. Of course, being only nine years old at the time, I had no idea the trials and tribulations that were ahead of me. Though there hasn't been a case of uh, full trophies over the past 23 years since, I'm proud to be a fan and chant Hootay on those fall Sundays. Hootay on those fall Sundays. All right, last but not least, Quinn Carter in Columbus, Ohio. Another Columbus fan because Columbus rocks. I was a Browns fan until they blew a 21 to nothing playoff game lead against Miami in 1985. On that day, I became a Bengals fan and I've been a season ticket holder since 2019. Something about just like Browns fans, just man, they, they keep defecting and they defect to Cincinnati. Like, ooh, I don't, I don't know about all that. All right, stay with us. We're going to take a break, and then we have some very somber news. Some of you might know what it already is, but we'll wait to talk about that when we return on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. We have rounded up our top 25 Bengals for 2023. We have gone through all of our fan responses up to this point, which leads me to the inevitable but very difficult news And for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you probably already saw it, but this is the last ever Strictly Stripes podcast episode. And after this week, we will not be covering the Cincinnati Bengals on Cleveland.com anymore. Uh, Andrew Gillis and I will not be continuing our duties with Cleveland.com as uh, the company, you know, wanted to experiment with covering the Bengals this past season. Uh, And rather than continue for another season, uh, they have decided to take another course and discontinue uh, the coverage of the Bengals on Cleveland.com. Uh, for Andrew, he's actually staying with Cleveland.com. Many of you, uh, especially those who follow uh, Buckeye Talk up in Columbus and elsewhere, Doug Maurice is leaving, as you already know. So Andrew Gillis is going to replace Doug. Um, he's going to fill some pretty big shoes because we've done some crossover podcasts with Doug, and he's definitely Hall of Fame material. Um, not now, but I mean, not now, but when it's not about if, but when he'll be in the hall of fame. So, uh, I'm sure Andrew will fill those shoes gladly and become a future hall of famer himself. Because let me tell you right now, I know Andrew's not on this podcast. I wish he was, uh, but Andrew's a rock star. He's my friend. He's my brother. I've loved working with him. And, uh, I'm glad that this job allowed me to meet a guy like that because, you know, one of the biggest things about being a sports journalist is, you know, when you're on a beat, like the Bengals or any other beat, but especially in the professional sports world, you really start to call the other beat reporters with and around you, your friends. Uh, Andrew is definitely one of those people, not just because he was my coworker and my co-host, but because he's genuinely a good person and he's someone I respect and admire. And he's probably going to listen to this and laugh and say, Oh, stop it, Muhammad. But it's the truth. He knows that. And I'm just going to say it anyway. So this is tough. Uh, As for me, I don't know what's next, uh, which is kind of scary to think, but, you know, I'm a person of faith. I believe that, you know, God has something in store for me. I don't know what it is, and it's not very clear right now, but I know in a matter of time, you know, once I put myself out there, uh, it will be clear, but um, it's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I'll be candid here because this is, you know, pretty much the end. I mean, obviously, many of you know, I grew up a Bengals fan, so... um, I get kind of like, I get butterflies in my stomach when I read these responses because I can relate to so much of it. I mean, I grew up in Lexington an hour away. I used to go to Cincinnati all the time as a kid. I used to go to Bengals games. 
I remember the Carson Palmer, Chad Johnson era. I actually met Chad Johnson um, in Dayton last month for Logan Wilson's softball game, which was fun. Um, I talked to Boomer Esiason yesterday on Thursday about his induction into the Bengals Ring of Honor. That was really cool because uh, I didn't grow up during you know Boomer's era, but I've loved watching his tape and I've loved watching him on TV as an analyst. So it really is nice that I got to at least talk to a guy like that one more time. Um, and, you know, I'm just so grateful to everyone listening to this podcast. You know, we've had thousands of thousands of downloads and listeners, and we, we've been growing. We've been growing because of people like you, because people like you who care about the Bengals, who really want to understand the team, who want to hear the truth about, you know, what to know and what not to know about the team, which I know is is difficult because there's so much to sort through with the analysis and, you know, looking through all the stats and stuff. We gladly did all of that for you. Um, and, you know, we, we, were, we were really doing a lot. Like we were in Kansas City for the AFC Championship. You know, we were doing podcasts from Tampa Bay, from New Orleans, from, uh, gosh, from Pittsburgh, Baltimore, you name it, all, all across the NFL, wherever the Bengals were, we were at. And we did our podcasts right after the game for you. This is tough. Um, it's, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't emotional right now. Because, you know, this is a job that, you know, when you really put your heart and soul into it, it becomes a passion. And uh, that's why this is a really tough goodbye. Um, I know they say it's not goodbye, it's see you later. I think this is still a goodbye because, unfortunately, this is really the end of the podcast and the end of the Bengals on Cleveland.com. Again, I just want to thank everyone who has listened to us uh, from the very start. I'll never forget our first pilot episode we did back in September with Andrew and Mike, you know, being a small time podcast, growing as much as we did, being visible on Apple and Spotify and hearing people like, uh, like Eric, who I just, his response, I just read, you know, saying that they care about the podcast. It means a lot. It really drives us. It pushes us. And I'm forever grateful to you all. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. And we hope somehow, for those listening, hopefully I, in the real world, maybe I cross paths with you someday. Hopefully I do. But if not, we appreciate you all again. For the final time on the Strictly Stripes podcast, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Thank you all very much. God bless you.